Hey, welcome to Home Church Podcast. It is a good day to have a good day. I'm Pastor Jerry Kuhn, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My hope is that you will respond to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you in and through this message today. And I believe that he will draw you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. I hope that you enjoy the message today. That's my 16-year-old boy who doesn't know any ethics at all of how you stop a service before he makes so much of a commotion. And we are um, yeah, just a 16-year-old boy. He's like, hey, I got to stop my dad. He doesn't know these microphones not working. Hey, dad. Happy Easter. Hey, two weeks ago, I, I want to I just clarify a few things. Two weeks ago, maybe you've been with us and maybe you haven't been with us, but we started a, a series for Easter called This, this Easter. And uh, we started off this Easter with give what you what you have. It was a story of Peter and John, and maybe you know the story. Peter and John goes to the temple, goes up to the gate called Beautiful, and there there's, there's this lame man who's been there since, I mean, every day he's been carried there to beg for money. And what's crazy about the story is that Peter and John sees him, and he's like, hey, he's absolutely in need. And the Bible says that the lame man, as he notices that they fixed his eyes upon the lame man, the lame man looks up and fixes his eyes upon Peter and John. And it was in that moment that there was this connection. And I want you to hear this for a moment. It was in that moment that Peter and John knew that, hey, listen, giving money to him is not going to fix his problems. Giving money to this gentleman wasn't going to help him at all. So they make this statement, and it's a very powerful statement. He says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. It was in that moment that Peter and John said, hey, listen, I realize that if I give him some money, it's just going to help him for a day. But if I can give them Jesus, it would change your life forever. And it's in that moment that we said, hey, listen, let's just give what we have. This Easter, let's give people, give them what we, what we have, something that will change their life forever. I remember growing up as a kid, and my dad would say something like this, and, and not just my dad, but, but elders as well. They would, say some, they would say, son, if you teach, if you give a boy a fish, you'll feed him for a day. But if you teach a boy how to fish, you'll feed him for the rest of his life. It's in that moment that perhaps it's just like this story. Peter and John walks up to this gate called Beautiful. There's a lame man, and they realize that, hey, I can give him a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver, but it would only help him for that day. But if I give him Jesus, it would change their life forever. Most of the time, a monetary gift is not going to fix anything that we are dealing with in our lives. So please understand that today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you are in need of, but a monetary gift is not going to fix anything that perhaps you are going through today. But Jesus is the answer to every problem. I have, listen, I have, since I was 13 years old, I have been walking out this walk of faith, and I have realized that Jesus has been the answer to every issue, every problem that I have faced in my life. And I'm thankful today that Jesus was the thing that was given to me. It wasn't just silver and gold. Now listen, I could tell you, some of you know me. I grew up poor. Poor people called me poor. And the church would take up love offerings, and they would give it to my family. The church would bring food baskets to my house. So I understand what it is to give to needy families. I was a recipient of that. But it was the thing that changed my life was not the food basket. It was Jesus. Jesus that was given to me as a young boy at 13 years old changed my life forever. So this Easter, (laughs) this Easter, let's give them, let's give what we have. Give them, give them Jesus. Last Sunday, wow, what an opportunity. Man, it was 
It was absolutely beautiful. We were outside and it was packed. The parking lot was packed. And we talked about this. It was Palm, Palm, Palm Sunday and we celebrated Easter home style. Uh, just like you're going to today, right? You're probably going to go home. Um, you may have to have your winter jacket on today um, or a rain jacket, one or two outside um, looking for eggs. But, um, but you're going to have your family together. You're going to celebrate Easter together just like we did last Sunday with the cookout with hamburgers and hot dogs and chicken. Didn't they do a great job of cooking those burgers and hot dogs? Absolutely. Um, thankful. Over 230 people gathered together as a family last, last Sunday. That is absolutely amazing. I was telling the, the team today, I said, what was so precious to me and what overwhelmed me and what probably take, took my breath was the fact that I was watching little kids pick up eggs and her eyes would get so big, like, ah, oh, I got five eggs. And the other guy has 20, but she had five and that's all that mattered. She was so thrilled. And watching the little kids pick up those eggs was just, it made my, it absolutely made my day. And we spoke on this thought. We said this out there as the wind was blowing my hair. I don't know if you noticed, Jamie Smith, where you at? Jamie took a picture, um, and uh, my hair is sticking up like a mohawk like this. It was amazing. I mean, it was like I, I, I would be 12 inches up in the air just like this, like a rooster tail. It was amazing. The wind was blowing my hair around, um, and I looked at the picture. I was like, oh, my gosh, did I really look like that? Take it off. Take it off. But, man, we had a great time, and we talked about this. We talked about this Easter, give us Barabbas. See, the first week we said, give them what you have. This last week we talked about, give us Barabbas. And I mentioned how the story of Easter started, right? I said, it's amazing. First of all, it starts with God loving you and I. He loved you and I so much that he gave his only begotten son. But on that holy week and that first day on Palm Sunday, we talked about how Jesus um, was riding in on a donkey into Jerusalem and they greeted him as a king. And they put palm, palm branches on the, on the ground. They, put, they threw their clothes on the ground and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. But something changed within five days. It still boggles me. It's like, how do you come into town with all this welcome and great joy that you're there? And then all of a sudden, in five days, all the cries of Hosanna begins to be cries of, give us Barabbas, crucify him. And all of a sudden, in five simple, quick days, the cries of Hosanna becomes cries of, give us Barabbas, give us, crucify him. And it's in that moment that we find that simply, simple five days changes things. They stated that the cries of give us Barabbas was truly a statement. This is what we said last week. The cry give us Barabbas was a simple statement of God's love, of God's mercy, and of God's grace. When you hear the words, and I hope that every time you open your Bibles, and maybe accidentally you get into Mark, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into the crucifixion, and you find that scripture where all of a sudden you hear give us Barabbas. I hope that you are reminded of God's love, God's mercy and God's grace. Ephesians says this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. It says, but, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, listen to this, because of his great love, remember, give us Barabbas was, was a statement of three things, of his love, of mercy, and of his grace. And because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I'm thankful today that when I hear the words, give us Barabbas, I am reminded of his love, of his mercy, and of his grace. And today, well, I don't know if you realize this, but today it is Easter. 
It is absolutely Easter. And so this Easter, give me a touch. I want to I wanna talk on these lines. Give me a touch. I don't want to make it weird. I want you to really focus in just for a moment. Um, the next 50 minutes, and you're like, 50 minutes? Just joking. Next, I won't lie and say 20 minutes. You want me to lie to you? All right. Next 35, 40, 50, an hour. You guys got it. But this Easter, give me a t- I want to point out how this series was laid out. Maybe some of you got it. Maybe you didn't. Maybe it was just titles to you. But the first week we talked about give. Give them what you have. Them. Give them what you have. The second week we said give us. We're making it now a per- little bit more personal. We said give us Barabbas. And this week, I want to be as personal as I can with you today and say give me Oh, we gave them and we gave us, but today I need you to give me, give me a touch. And I want you to allow me the opportunity to proclaim just like the angels that day on Easter morning as they begin to shout out. And they said, he's not here. He is risen. My friend, the tomb is still empty. And that is the reason why you and I are together in this room. You are packed in like sardines, probably a little closer than you want to be. Um, But the fact is you are here because you You came to worship the fact that the tomb is still empty and he is risen. You are just like Paul. You may not realize it, but you are just like Paul. Paul says in Philippians chapter chapter 3 verse 10, he says this. He says, I want to know Christ and I want to experience the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. I know you may not realize it this morning, but everyone in this room today, you have came like Paul. You said, I want to know Christ, and I want to experience the power that raised him from the dead. I'm tired of how my life has been going, and there needs to be a change. There needs to be a change. And man, I want to experience, I want to know him, and I want to experience him. And maybe you and I are really We're just really just like Paul. In fact, that we so desire to see life back into the areas of our life that are dead. Dead because of sin. Maybe we are all here today on Easter. It says, statistically, it says that Easter sees a 50% rise in the attendance in every church across America. 50%. So I believe it's because people are coming because they really want to know Christ and experience the power And maybe because there are things in their life that are dead that they want to see brought back to life again. You see, dead because of sin. Maybe maybe there are things in your life that is dead because of unforgiveness. Maybe there are things in your life that is dead because of bitterness. Maybe there's things in your life that is dead because of guilt and or shame. Maybe there's things in your life that are dead that you love so desperately see come back to life. And whatever that may be this morning. But there's something that, you, that unites every one of us in this room that says, I want to know him and want to experience him. Because maybe there is something in your life that is dead that you want to come back to life. And allow me this morning to say, give us Jesus. Give me an opportunity to experience or to touch the mighty power that brings dead things to life Again, let me say that just one more time this morning because I think we're all here for the same reason. We are here today to say, God, we want Jesus. And give us, give me, give us, give me, let's make it personal, an opportunity to experience or to touch the mighty power that brings dead things to life again.
And allow me some time, if you don't mind, to take you back to the first Easter and connect it with this Easter. Our series is this Easter. So let me take you back to the very first Easter. We're going to read a couple of scriptures from different Gospels uh, to perhaps to, to collaborate and to build this story this morning uh, for you and for I as we connect the first Easter with this Easter this morning. Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 7. It says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and, and Salome, um, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, I want you to think about this for, for a moment. They were saying, these ladies are going to the tomb, and they were saying to each other, Who, who's going to roll the stone away from the tomb? Have you ever thrown on a big event and there was that one logistic problem that you forgot to think about? Is that one logistic? I mean, these ladies are going to the tomb and are like, hey, it just dawned on me. Who's going to move the stone? Huh? I didn't even think about that. We should have brought Peter. He's big. He's strong. But it's just us three ladies. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? And the whole way, they're talking about how are we going to move, how are we going to move that stone? And they were saying to one another, who will roll the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb. And verse 4 says, And looking up, they, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where, he, where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples, and Peter, the angel says, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. I want to take you to the Gospel of Luke. And there's some things that the Gospel, the perspective of the Gospel of Luke that I want to share with you that I think is very intriguing. We find in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 5 through 12, it says in this, it says, And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living? among the dead he is not here he has risen remember how he told you while he was still in galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands excuse me into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day rise and they remembered his words and re-entering returning from the tomb they told all these things to the eleven and to all of the rest and now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But the words, listen to this, but the words that he has risen and the tomb was empty seemed to them like an idle tale. And they did not believe them. Hmm. They had firsthand information. And when they got there, they were telling, hey, listen, he's not there. The body's not there. He is risen. He is alive. The disciples just could not fathom that. And the disciples could not believe that. But Peter rose, and he said, man, I just got to figure out this for myself. And the Bible says that Peter rose, and he ran to the tomb, stooping, and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Take you to, look, take you to John real quick. John chapter 20. We'll finish here. John chapter 20, verse 19. This is the same day, 19 to 29. The Bible tells us in verse 19, on the evening of that day, this is still Easter, 
That morning, the women ran to the tomb, and they realized that he was not there. He was risen. But that evening, the Bible says that on that evening, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I wonder in that moment, now listen, I'm just assuming, I'm just, I'm just taking a guess if you don't mind. I wonder in that moment as Jesus walked into this room, in a moment that all of a sudden he realized brought fear into the eyes of the disciples. I wonder if it's like a flashback to the time that he was walking on water and the, and the disciples were in the boat and they're like, oh no, I'm scared, is that a ghost? Jesus immediately, he didn't have to wait for Peter to say, if that's you, you know, let me touch your hands. If that's you, no, no, Jesus said, I know what you need. I want you to see my hands. I want you to see my side. In that moment, Jesus did not wait for the disciples to cry out what they needed to, to know that that was Jesus. Jesus knew. And he said, I want you to look. And he said, peace, be still. He knew that in that moment that they were scared and they were afraid and they needed peace to overwhelm them and wrap them. And so he said, peace. Be still so much that he said it twice. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so even so I am sending you. Verse 22. It says, and when they had said this, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23. And if you give, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold sin, forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them in that moment that Jesus walked into that room that was locked. And so 25, it says, and so the other disciples told him, he says, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands. So listen, a moment ago, the disciples didn't have to make a request. Jesus knew what they needed. But this moment, Peter said, unless I see his hands in the mark of the nails and place my finger, give me a touch, Lord place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into the side into his side I will never believe eight days everybody say eight days eight days later now I don't know about you but I have made some requests of the Lord and I have said some prayers to the Lord that took quite a ways a quite some time to be fulfilled actually pastoring today is is a prayer that I, I made for many many years and having the opportunity just blesses me in my hometown but here we find that Thomas says, unless I touch, I will, not, I, will not, I will not believe. And eight days later, the Bible says, his disciples was once again inside. And Thomas was with them this time. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them again and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, I want you to remember last time that he walked in, he showed all the disciples right then. And this time, he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Isn't it pretty cool that God took it, Jesus took it a step further? The first time when he walked into the room to the disciples, he said, he just showed them his scars. But Thomas but Thomas, Thomas said, I will not believe unless I touch his nail-scarred hands. Unless I place my hand, unless I touch his side where he was pierced. And Jesus gave him that opportunity. This 
Easter, this Easter, give me a touch. I, I want to look for a moment at a, at a character out of the story that relates to you and I today on this Easter. Remember, I've told you I want to connect the first Easter with this Easter uh, today. And I want to look at a character within that story. And I believe without knowing it, he said this. He said, this Easter, give me a touch. This man, this character didn't realize that he made that statement, but he did. He said, give me a touch. On a count of three, I would like for you to tell me which character I'm going to talk about. All right. So on a count of three, I'm going to say one, two, three. You tell me. All right. Just like I would do your kids here. One, two, three. You tell me what character I will be speaking about. One, two, three. Thomas. I will be talking about Thomas. First of all, that was weak. All right, I'm just telling you right now. I am so glad that your kids are not in here because they'll be like, that's so disappointing, mom and dad. All right, so they're not in here. And, uh, but that was, that was pretty weak. I know some of you guys, and I know that you're pretty loud. But we will be talking about Thomas. And, and, and I realize, and I'm thankful today that you called him by Thomas and not Doubting Thomas. Because most of us in this room, we know him as Doubting Thomas. We don't know him as Thomas. We know him by the label that we've all given him. We know him as Doubting Thomas because that's what we say he is. He was a disciple that doubted that Jesus had risen from that grave and that the tomb was empty and he was alive. He was that disciple. But the truth is, if we really look at the story, wasn't all the disciples doubting? Absolutely. Every one of the disciples, we could call him Doubting Peter, we can say doubting James. We can, we can name them all as doubting. Give them a label if we want to. Because the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 24, verse 9 through 11, it says that after returning from the tomb, the ladies told all these things to the 11 and all of those who were there, the rest of disciples. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the Martha of James and the other women with them who told them these things to the apostles. But these words, listen to the Bible, these words seemed to them an idle tell, and they did not believe. Now, we throw stones at poor old Thomas, and we're like, oh, he's down Thomas. We label him, but the truth is, every one of those disciples struggled believing that Jesus rose from the grave. Every one of those disciples struggled that the tomb was still empty. And it wasn't until they were able to see the nail-scarred hands and see the side that they absolutely believed that they were convinced this morning. So let's drop the label. Let's just call him Thomas. So for those who just called him Thomas, thank you so much this morning. The truth is, there is not much that is different between the first Easter and this Easter. There's really not much. Not much different. You guys are thinking, oh, there's a lot different. And we're actually going to have a cookout. They probably didn't have a cookout. Well, let me just share with you. God gave his son to die on the cross because he loved us. My friend, that hasn't changed. I need you to hear me. God gave his only son to die on the cross on that day, to be risen on the third day, so the tomb would be empty. And that has not changed. Christ rose from the grave on the third day, and that has not changed change the tomb is still empty and my friend that has not changed the stone was rolled away and that hasn't changed people doubt it that Christ rose from the grave and is alive and my friend that still hasn't changed there are those in this building today and even though you came you still have this doubt 
that Christ is real. That God is real. And so today, this Easter, I believe that every one of us need a touch. God, give me a touch. I'm making it personal today. God, give me this Easter. Give me a touch. I just need one more time to touch the nail-scarred hands. Now, I know. I'm not ignorant. You're like, well, uh, that's kind of creepy. I mean, we're going to, like, go find. We can't find the body of Jesus. You realize that, right? Because he's sitting in heaven. But, they, but listen, I'm not talking about physically touching Jesus. We cannot do that. But what I'm talking about today is about getting into God's word and knowing who he is. See, here's the first thing this morning. It's 11.26. I am doing really good. I only got 20 more minutes. Five more pages. Happy Easter! Did I tell you that? It's Easter. This is Easter. I got to tell a story real quick. This is a rabbit trail. I don't do this very often, but I looked up and saw someone that, that I kind of like. Uh, and um, I kind of like... Um, and we were at this event. I'll, I'll tell you, we were at this event. We were in, um, I forgot where it was, some kind of conference. And I had the opportunity to speak at this national conference. And, and they gave you this little pamphlet. And in, in this pamphlet, you got to draw um, what the speaker looked like, which you should never give teenagers or adults, especially Freddie Sears, a pencil and ask him to draw you. And so after the service, he comes up to me. He goes, hey, listen, I just want you to know I listened to your message, but I drew a masterpiece, and he showed me, and I was like, oh, that is the worst picture I've ever, I ever seen. So for those who are doodling or perhaps journaling today, don't draw pictures of me, please, Freddie. But with a, listen, point number one is this. With a touch, he becomes real. This Easter, we're saying, give me... A touch because I believe that with a touch Christ becomes real I told you that every disciple struggled for the fact that they did not believe that Jesus rose from the grave but on that day when he walked into the room and that day he showed the scars and on that day he allowed them to touch on that day they believed and on that day when they walked in and, and Thomas was there and he knew that Thomas had to physically touch him and Thomas had that opportunity. There's something that switched in Thomas because he wasn't any doubting any longer. He was Thomas. And he believed because it became real. It became so real. You see, there are those that are not convinced yet that Christ rose from the grave. They are not convinced that God is real. You see, even creation itself hasn't convinced some of you. I mean, I walk outside and see the trees and the animals. And I'm like, wow, that is just amazing. I mean, I look at my Dr. Pepper, I'm going, whoever created this was a wise man. This is amazing. I love my Dr. Pepper, but whoever created it, created a good thing. And I look at the creation, I'm like, man, there had to be someone that masterminded this. There has to be someone that created this. It wasn't a big bang, boom, and everything created. I didn't evolve from a monkey. Please, no comments there. <laughs> but the fact is, even creation hasn't convinced some. Even our human bodies, man, I'm telling you what, our human bodies are so complex. It's amazing how God intricate, how he created you and I and thought everything out. Every piece of our life. Everything. And still hasn't convinced somebody. I, I look at the trees and the animals and everything that has order. I mean... I'm like, how did, how did God, he's sitting up there and goes, hey, look, I'm going to create the bees and the pollen and the flowers, and we've got to have all of them t 
to have tomatoes. My wife and I planted a tomato plant, and we never got one tomato. You know why? There was no bees. <laughs> I'm like, I want a tomato. And we didn't get any tomatoes. And we realized because we didn't have any bees around our house. It's amazing how God has orchestrated and created things. And still, even in that, people are not convinced that God is real. The moons, the stars, everything. You see, your experience has not convinced yourself. Some of what have you experienced in your life, even your personal, there's some of you in this room that has experienced God, you have touched God, you have, you have experienced God's character within your life, you've experienced so many things, and you've shared that with people, and even your testimony hasn't changed or convinced somebody. I've watched people go through some great things, and I thought, wow, that, that's a powerful testimony. Surely, surely, that would change people's life. They're not convinced. You remember the story of Lazarus? You remember when he was, in, he was there and he just wanted to go back? He want, I mean, he just, please, please, let me go back and tell my family. Tell my family this is real. And he was like, you're not going to be able to convince them. Even Lazarus going back would not have convinced. You see, it's not your experience. They've heard your story so many times over and over. And there are those people that have not been convinced yet that God is real. But it is when they touch I need you to hear me this morning. But it's when they touch, when they touch, all of a sudden he becomes real. The Bible tells us, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm challenging you today to touch. I'm challenging you today to say, this Easter, give me a touch. That's all I want this Easter is to be able to know Christ and experience the power that raised him from the dead. Because there are some things in my life that are dead that I need to come alive again. So God, please, I need, I need a touch this morning. I'm telling someone today, let me back up, I apologize. I know what you're thinking this morning. Like, um, and I said this earlier, that pastor, we cannot physically touch Jesus. And, and, and I, I too, that I, I, I would say to you that that's correct. And, but when you grab a hold of God's word and you begin to believe what it says about who Christ is, Jesus is and you apply it for yourself to your life all of a sudden it becomes real I want you to hear I know that you can't physically touch Jesus but man when you begin to dig into God's word and you begin to believe it it comes by faith and when I begin to believe that God's is real that God's word is for me then all of a sudden it becomes real to me the New Testament gives us the story of a woman and you've known this woman you know and actually you probably as I tell you the story about this woman, you probably go, that's my sister. That's my husband. That's my friend. Let me tell you the story. There's a woman who had an issue. A woman had an issue for 12 years. She went to the doctor. She spent every dime that she had, all of her savings. She looked at her husband. Her husband was so willing to give the money away to the doctors because he wanted her, her, his wife so much to have a happy life. The Bible says she spent everything, went to every doctor. And it was in that moment that she realized, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Isaiah says that the healing comes in the wings of the Messiah. And so it was in that moment that she knew, as a Jew, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. And the Bible says that this woman pushed through the crowd. The Bible said that she pushed through the crowd. She was so determined that the dead things that was in her life was going to become alive again. 
that she would know Christ and she would experience the power that raised him from the dead. I just need to touch him. I just need to touch him this morning. I'm telling you, someone today, that if you would repent, hear me out this morning, if you would truly repent of your sins and give your life to Christ today, it will be the touch that makes everything about Christ be real this Easter. Hear me once again. If you would truly, truly repent and give your heart to Jesus today, it will be that moment, that touch that you've been waiting on that makes everything real this Easter. This Easter. Doctors couldn't fix this woman. Friends couldn't fix it. Husband couldn't fix it. Twelve years of agony. There's some of, listen, there's some of you that there is something that's that, an issue and you've tried everything to cope with life with this issue. And those coping mechanism has just taken your life. It sucked life out of you. It didn't give life. It took life away. And today, I believe that if you'll touch him, Christ will become real and everything changes. The Bible states this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Let me say that one more time. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. God, I'm in desperate need to know you and to experience you. This, this Easter, give me, give me a touch. Just like Thomas, God knows what you need to believe. He knows that you need a touch. I need you to hear me this morning. God knows what you need. I don't know what happened when you were a child. I don't know what happened when you were a teenager. I don't know the choices that you've made. I don't know what has clouded your mind um, when it comes to Christ himself and God and the reality of who he is. But God knows what you need. And if you'll just touch him, touch him, get into his word, truly repent, I believe everything becomes real. Here's point number two this morning. I'm going to ask the praise and worship team come this morning. It's Easter. We have good news today. Christ is not dead. He is alive. And because of that, I love how Paul said, I want to know him, but I want to experience the power that raised Christ from the dead. That power. I want to experience it. And this morning, point number two is this. With a touch, he changes absolutely everything. With a touch, he changes everything. There's a statement that my wife and I heard when we were just young. And <laughs> I feel young, but I'm not young. <laughs> how many of you guys feel the same way? You're like, I feel young, but I realize I'm not young. Um, I'm looking around. Some of you, you all look young. I just want you to know. You look strong. You look young. So proud of you. But I realize at a young age that when, when I change, everything changes. When God truly changes me, everything around me changes. Maybe not my circumstance, but my perspective on my circumstance changes. Maybe not the people in my life changes, but how I see my people in my life, how I deal with them, how I'm able to forgive them now, when before I could never stand them or forgive them. 
But now because Christ has become real to me, because I've touched him, I'm able, everything changes in my life. Everything changes. With Thomas, he was no longer that man who doubted. Did you know that Thomas, all the disciples, this is a cool fact that you can look this up, it's really cool. It's history. All the disciples, they all were martyred besides John. John, the beloved, he died of an old age. But all of the disciples, now he's the one, remember last, on Good Friday we said that Jesus on the cross, he looks at John, he said, or he says to his mom, woman, behold your son. And he looks at John and he says, behold your mother. See, John lived an old age and he died of an old man. But all the other disciples were martyred. Thomas, there's something that happened that day. Something happened on that day when he touched Jesus' nail-scarred hands. When he touched his side, something happened. That he was so convinced that he was real. That he was alive. That he rose on the third day. That he was willing to give up his life to be a martyr. Now some of you may not know how that looks. Can I just explain how that looks? They would take you and they would bring your family in front of you. And if I was the one that's fixing to be martyred, they would bring my family, bring my children. And they would say, denounce Christ. And I would say, no. And they would kill my child right there in front of me. They'd bring my next child, denounce Christ. And they would kill my child. Bring my wife that I love so much. And they would say, you denounce Christ and your, ch and your wife will live. And I would say, no. And they would kill my wife. That's exactly how it looked. And for something, now listen, I'm just telling you, something clicked. When he touched, it became real. But when he touched, everything changed. Because he was so convinced that God was real. That it didn't matter what you took from him. He was going to believe. Didn't matter what you took. You could take my children. You could take my wife. You could take everything. And I still believe that Christ rose from the grave that day. I still believe that the tomb is still empty. It was in that moment that everything changed. I want to give someone hope today. Someone that's been dragging some baggage. Someone that perhaps has been dragging something that's been dead in your life for years. Today is the day that it could be alive again. It's the day that God can speak life back into that situation. Into that part of your life that's been dead for whatever reason. God can speak life. Oh, I want to know Christ. And I want to experience the power that raised him from the dead. I want the dead things in my life to become alive again. This is what Easter's about. He's alive. He's not dead. He's not there. He has risen. The tomb is empty. I think about the woman with the issue of blood that we talked about just a few minutes ago. That woman, everything changed for her. Can you imagine that when she touched Jesus and she began to be made whole, the tears would flow her eyes and she was like, oh, I got my life back. I can now visit my family. I can go into the public again. Oh, I can live my life to the fullest again. And all of a sudden, the thing that was dead became alive just in a touch. Everything changed. I told this story once before, and I love the story. I told the story about a man by the name of Martin, and I was, we're going to Clinton for those who will be with us next Sunday. Pastor James is going to be speaking, and you will be blessed um, by his ministry and his anointing. And we're going to Clinton, and there was a 
couple years ago, six years or so, we went to Clinton taking care of our services for Pastor Gary and Elizabeth because they were off. And there was a man by the name of Martin. I had met Martin on Monday previous that week and at a youth rally. And he was telling me that he felt like God, that he missed his calling. He really felt like he needed to work with youth. And I was like, I love youth pastors. That's what I've done all my life. I love youth pastors. I want to talk to you. I will be here Sunday and let's sit down and let's talk about youth ministry. And he said, absolutely. So Sunday came around that morning and my hair had gotten a little long uh, to the point that Martin thought I needed a haircut. He was like, Pastor, your hair is long. Sorry. And so I remember he said, hey, I want to, I'm a barber and I would like to cut your hair. I was like, you're a barber. He's like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to cut your hair. And I remember he said, listen, I, we're going to go eat and then when we get back, I'll give you a call and you'll meet me down at the barber shop. And I said, to be great. I remember getting to his chair. I never told him how I liked my hair to be cut. Didn't say a word. I didn't have a chance. All of a sudden I heard this and he started cutting me. I had the greatest looking Hispanic haircut I've ever seen in my life. I'm being honest. Nice. Not the way I would normally wear it, but it was great. And then all of a sudden I've never been straight razor in my life. Some of you men perhaps have. Never been straight razor. And I remember him applying the stuff, cream all over my neck and my face and then he popped out the straight razor and, and I remember him saying can I tell you my life story as he placed the razor on my neck and I'm going yeah absolutely he goes I was in prison for five years now I don't know about you but in that moment I tightened up everywhere I really did I was like oh you've been in prison for five years and he has the blade to my neck and I'm thinking huh you're gonna tell me you killed a man with a straight razor aren't you and he said I was like um very nervously going uh um why was you in prison he began to tell me a story that he was in prison because of drugs and some other issues in his life that placed him in prison. And he said, but in prison, I found Jesus. And this is what I asked him. I don't know why I asked him this. I was brave in that moment. I said, but doesn't everybody find Jesus in prison? I mean, isn't it true today? Everybody that goes through hard times, they cry out to somebody and usually that's Jesus. And he told me this, he looked me right in the eye, he stopped, he came in front of me, he looked at me and he said, yes, but I took Jesus out of prison with me. It was in that moment that I realized that he touched Jesus and everything changed in his life. He wasn't the drug addict anymore. He was, he owned his own business. He was a barbara. He cut hair. Come on, I need someone to hear me this morning. Something changed in his life that day because he touched Thank you so Jesus. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more messages or find a service time, you can visit us at our website, homechurchtecumsa.com, for more information. And thank you again. And until next time, love God, do good, and be a friend. Be blessed.